0: Hello, everybody. My name is Matt Dan, and this is On The Rocks from Why Yoga. Today, we're going to talk to Erica, and we're going to talk about yoga, service, and activism. But before we start that, why don't you say hello, Erica?
1: Hello. It's so exciting to be here, Matt. I love your podcast.
0: Thank you. It's great to have a fan, one fan. Um, (laughs) Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you came from, so that those who haven't met you at Y Yoga yet will have some idea of who you are.
1: My name is Erica, and I have been uh, first uh, a student at Y Yoga several years ago, a little after they began. I was so inspired by yoga through Y Yoga that I uh, became a yoga teacher through their 300-hour teacher training. Wow. And uh, now I'm teaching yoga uh, at Y Yoga Brussels and Y Yoga Antwerp.
0: So you did the um, 300-hour teacher training here, and then what happened?
1: Do you know when you take a course and you think that um, you're doing it just to learn something? Mm -hmm. um, And although I'm such an extrovert and I've been teaching indoor cycling for 15 years, I never, truly, truly never thought I was going to end up teaching yoga, even though I was doing this uh, several hundred-hour teacher training um, I just thought it was going to be information I took for myself. I thought I was going yeah. to sort of become a better person. And uh, lo and behold, I teach uh, all over Belgium, all over the world and all different types of uh, styles of yoga. And eventually ended up uh, teaching um, inside of prisons.
0: Wow. That is a very inspirational story. And we'll get on to prison a little bit later. We know that you did the teacher training here. How... Um how did you find yoga or um as um as Robbie mentioned in our last episode how did yoga find you he has this theory that yoga finds you um, was that the case in 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 your example
1: Definitely, I'm one of those people who would say that yoga, yoga definitely saved my life uh, for many different reasons. Uh, I don't think I was on this desperate path, but I definitely feel like I was a bit uh, disconnected. And I think yoga came in kind of as a surprise. Um, I came in as an athlete, someone who had run several marathons, someone who um, taught indoor cycling and had a race bike. And I never really thought that yoga was much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my best friend telling me a few times I should go to a yoga class and I sort of... uh, Uh, poo-pooed that idea, not only because I didn't think it was a very serious sport, and I also uh, wasn't very flexible. So I just didn't think yoga was something that was uh, going to be interesting for me.
0: Um, Is she still your best friend?
1: He, he is uh He's still my best friend. In fact, oh, he, we went to okay. one of our first classes together. It was a it was a meditation class. He fell asleep and was snoring so loudly that the entire class looked up over at me as if I was like his uh, guardian to uh, to wake him up. <laughs> you know, one of my first yoga experiences. Thankfully, not at yoga.
0: <laughs> okay, so so your best friend is someone who looks like he needs a guardian. <laughs> we w- we won't mention his name. So you came on the suggestion of somebody else. Why did you stay? What made you take a second and a third class?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's, uh, those are always the two questions that I love to ask people about yoga is what drew you to yoga and what made you stay in yoga? Because they're so often not the same thing. I came into yoga... Through that kind of competition, that performance, that intensity, that hot yoga, those challenges um, of of positions or like how long could I hold a plank for in this intense heat? What ended up keeping me in yoga was the opposite. It's that um, gentleness. It's that surrender. I'll even go so far to say it's that forgiveness, not necessarily of others, but of myself. And ultimately that feeling of of connection.
0: Uh So today you're going to talk to us about service and activism. Were you a person who engaged in service before you started yoga? Did you do good things for good people? Were you a, were you a Girl Scout, for example?
1: <laughs> Come to think of it, I think I was a brownie and then a Girl Scout many years ago. So I wonder if that's where this all taps into. Uh, uh, and yeah, I think that you know sometimes activism comes through um, you know tradition and, and role models and those around you and. I would definitely say that uh, my parents are of this um, activism kind. You know, very committed to our local community and mm-hmm. um, even religious community and, and really try to kind of engage with uh, those around them. Uh, so I'm sure that that spirit of service was perhaps ingrained early on. I went off to university and, and became really active in college, but, you know, more student government type things and uh, lots of different committees and, you know, the ski team and the Spanish club and those types of things. So I don't know that I saw it as something that was really of service to others, but certainly being active in a community was, was something that was not uh, far away from me.
0: After you began to do yoga, did your approach to um, how you see others and how you treat others, did that change gradually?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's this concept of, of connection, this concept of healing. I felt like yoga was sort of this like magical glue that like mm-hmm. filled in all these different spots of who i was these kind of missing pieces and made me feel more whole and it's with this concept that i started thinking even before i was a yoga teacher you know how can i kind of bring this to others how how can others benefit from this experience so after i became a yoga instructor it just became this natural step you know what else who else can have access to this experience
0: yeah and presumably the way that you express that is through teaching, right?
1: Yeah, I reflected a lot about that for this podcast. And I, I was starting to realize that even though what I'm talking about today is coming from a teacher's perspective, that so much of activism and service doesn't have to come through being a teacher. In my case, it does. And bringing that to other people in the community, absolutely. But it could also be manifested through other ways, just you know, the way that you behave off of the mat.
0: You talked about going to prison, sorry, teaching yoga in prison. Um, And that clearly is one way in which you perform service, which presumably uses the talents that you have and the training that you've had. Perhaps you could take us through how does that happen? Because I guess you can't just walk up to the prison, knock on the door and say, hey, is there anyone who wants to learn yoga inside? Why yoga in prison? You know, did somebody connect you with that? And what was the process of it? And What went through your mind when you were doing that?
1: Sure. You know, some people have personal connections to the legal or the justice system wherever they live, Um, you know, maybe have a family member who was in prison or, um, you know, they often say that family members are often, quote unquote, in prison, even though they're not physically behind bars. you know, I never had any of those personal experiences with it. But after I became a yoga instructor, one of my teachers um, who was moving uh, out of Belgium said to me, oh, this means that I won't be uh, teaching at the prison anymore. And so this kind of piqued my interest. And he asked me if I would be um, interested in in, uh, exploring that. He had explained that it had taken him almost you know six months or something to get security clearance background checks etc so he'd only done it for a few uh a few months but I figured that I would be interested enough to even before I finished my yoga teacher training at Yoga, I contacted the prison I, I remember going into the prison this is a, just such a funny story when I look back at it in my day job you know I work um in you know connected to the embassy and, and giving out scholarships and I was wearing high heel shoes and a you know nice Dress and uh, showed up at the prison for my quote-unquote interview. And of course, you're not paid to be in the prison; it's a volunteer status. So, interview is a big, big word. And uh, I remember coming through the cells. There's about you know 500 doors you have to get through. Very serious, uh, uh, you know, screen detectors to to check that you're not bringing anything in. And it's it's not like the most pleasant of places either. It's uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know where the interview would be held. If I would be seeing inmates, and uh, very much never been in a prison before, not to meet anyone, not to do anything there, not to volunteer there. So when I came into the prison and it kind of reminds you of like a school cafeteria, you know, with <laughs> tile everywhere and broken tile for that matter. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, people kind of roaming around, a lot of uh, guards, but also um, some, you know, prison inmates. And uh, I remember going, being led to a, a particular room to have this interview where you spent a while uh, you know learning more about me and, and my background and what I would be teaching and, and my own skill set. And at the end of the interview, this, uh, this person looked at me and said, do you have any questions for us? And I think, she was very surprised when I did. I had two questions. One was, would I be teaching the women in the prison? To which she laughed and, and you know, looked around the room and kind of said, there's no women at this prison, it's all men's <laughs> facility. And number two, um, I asked, uh, you know, will there be people like prison guards and things like that in the room with me? To which she kind of also laughed and said, you know, that we're, we're so understaffed that we don't have the resources for that. And then she paused and said, "You know, there is a small button on the wall. Um, should anything happen, uh, you're welcome to press that button. And it'll sound the alarm." Of course, you know, many months would would uh, would pass before I would actually be inside of a prison to teach yoga. And I remember looking at that button, which is you know about the size of a uh, of a small uh, coin, mm-hmm. um, and it's like underneath like glass. So to get to that, you know, to get to that on the side of a wall is is, is kind of intimidating when you first begin. And uh, I think that's how sort of this this whole journey journey sort of started and, and revealed to me that I knew so little about this before I began.
0: <laughs> Which is where all of us begin. We know so little. Some people may not appreciate it, but um, there are preparations made for this podcast. And I was particularly interested by what you had shared with us about the difference between helping, fixing, and serving. As a former do-gooder, I I read that and I thought, oh, oh dear. I've been helping and fixing and rarely do I serve. What What is the difference between those three things and why is it important?
1: Well, I certainly didn't know it myself. And when I found myself in my first yoga prison training, which is with uh, James Fox, who I'll mention a little bit later, he began this uh, 20-hour training by reading this poem, this uh, sort of article by Rachel Naomi Rimen. And it's called uh, Helping, Fixing, or Serving. So if you don't mind, maybe I'll, I'll read a few sentences sure. of it, yeah. if, it uh, if it works. He starts off, you know, doesn't say anything to the the group of us that we're staring at. And we were just this training in Amsterdam a few years ago and doesn't say anything about himself, doesn't say anything about the training and just begins with this. You can tell me what, what you think is as I begin. It says fixing and helping create distance between people and we cannot serve at a distance. We can only serve to which are profoundly connected to us. So if I pause here, it goes back to that original question you had asked me earlier, you know, why do you do yoga? What is the purpose? Uh, you know, what, what brought me into this yoga uh, concept? And for me, it's this connection. So for that for that reason, I think this quote really struck me. So if I go a little bit further, serving is different than helping. Helping is not a relationship between equals. A helper may see others as weaker than they are or needier than they are. And people often feel this inequality. The danger in helping is that we inadvertently take away from people more than we ever could give them. We diminish their self-esteem. We take away their sense of worth, integrity, or wholeness. However, when we help, we become aware of our own strength. But when we serve, we don't serve with our strength. We serve with ourselves. We draw from our experiences. We draw from our limitations, our wounds, our darknesses. They all serve others. I pause there on this um, article that uh, Rachel Naomi Remond wrote, um, it, it really struck me that helping others, fixing others is very different than serving others. It's something I reflected a lot about because you have to ask yourself, certainly I asked myself many hours while I was sitting in a prison, uh, looking around a room inside of these, you know, incarcerated walls. These people have Ne- not necessarily chosen to be there. Um, maybe their choices brought them there for justice or injustice reasons but i have chosen to be there every week chosen to be in a prison and that often you know makes you reflect on yourself what what is it that i am getting out of this um as well and that was something that i really wrestled with at first and still think about today that i i i really get something out of this experience um it's not just done in the act of kindness and altruism that it's truly that you know i can see myself in a different way that i can feel connected to others and i think that's a uh, a really important
0: concept. And it's a fairly common concept. If you lose yourself in service, you find yourself. When I read that, what it made me think about for me was family. And do you think that sort of this this idea of how we serve people should extend to our family and friends? Because I look back on all my interactions with um, family members and friends who were in need And I realize I, most of the time I've been helping or fixing from feeling a superior point of view. How, how do you, how do you not do that? And are family and friends different than strangers when it comes to service?
1: Wow, I wasn't expecting you to ask that, but it is really <laughs> Sorry. the question that is like the bullseye question uh, for me, especially um, uh, sort of alluded to earlier in my story. I've been living abroad for you know over 15 years of, mm-hmm. of living by myself, and so uh, this concept of family is always uh, you know uh, probably my biggest uh, challenge. And one of the reasons I love why yoga so much is this this concept of finding home. And this past year in the pandemic, I found myself on a five-day trip to visit my quote unquote family in the Mm -hmm. States and never left. So here I am a year, (laughs) a year and something later, still here living with my family. And I don't know that any adult ever imagines living with their adult parents and sibling and my uh, sibling's. Child, etc., and it's it's like almost like the ultimate yoga experiment. Like here I am, <laughs> thinking that I'm this polished yoga teacher that I I have mastery of of meditation or of of stillness uh, that my the chitta the mind is jumping everywhere, but I can, you know, masterfully uh, contain it. And if there's anyone who can find the the way to push your buttons, it it is your family, right? I mean, it is Mm -hmm. the the people that you grew up with. So um, I find this question just to be so striking because I think that's exactly where I've been challenged this last year is just thinking about where are those boundaries, where are those lines and are you helping others? Are you enabling others? Um, You know, are you helping them on, on bad choices in their path? And it goes all those those ways back and forth, uh, you know, back to me as well. So you're right. Where does that line uh, end? And I think it it does become blurrier when people are more um, connected to you, more personal, more with friends, with organizations, with jobs, with those types of things you are uh, able to walk away in some ways you know you're not always entangled in the same way that you are with family with family it is for better or worse harder to walk away or draw boundaries so i think you're absolutely right matt
0: we'll both reflect on that and then have another episode <laughs> like later three,
1: three more podcast sessions i'm ready <laughs> yeah
0: if we turn to let's call it yogic philosophy and the yoga scriptures Is there anything in the yoga scriptures that um, you find particularly useful to teach you about service and how to do it and uh, whether one should and so on?
1: Sure. I think, um, yeah, there, there's so many aspects of yoga philosophy, if you will. Um, and I only picked a handful um, that I thought to mention that, that at least affect me. But, you know, something that that I think a lot of us can identify with is not hurting, doing harm to others. And, you know, how can you sort of serve serve others, you know, c- comes to me when I think of Ahimsa. But I think I think about the Bhagavad Gita when it talks about karma yoga, it talks about purifying the mind. And so I had to kind of go a little bit deeper into what karma yoga yoga was, which maybe you can touch upon uh, later. But another is, I spent a lot of time with uh, a musical instrument, uh, playing that in class and also doing, you know, more kirtan uh, mantras. And there's that mantra that many of us say, uh, which I will say in Sanskrit and then say in English, which of course is loka, samasta, suki and bhavantu. And I I think the English translation, or at least uh, the version that I, I usually say to students in class is, may all beings everywhere So not these people who I like, not my friends, not just selected people, but may all beings everywhere, all over the planet, regardless of who they are and their background and what they've done to you, may they be happy and may they be free. That word free really stands out for me in this. Uh, And may our thoughts, our words and our actions of our own lives contribute in some way to the happiness and the freedom for all. And when I reflect about this this mantra, this this, this saying this is so touching to me because when we talk about karma, we talk about karma yoga, we're often thinking about action. And I'm certainly an active person doing Uh active things and um, action to me means accomplishing and doing and how much of yoga is really about that slowing down, about that surrender, about not doing anything, but just being. So when I look back at this uh, concept of service, tying it all together, and especially to this quote, it's that maybe our thoughts and our words will contribute in some way. That's, that's not really action in the way that I had traditionally thought of it. That's not that's not teaching yoga in a prison. That can truly just be um, the way that I talk to others, um, the words that I say to others in, in my day, in my community, in my job, in my, in my week. And also, more importantly, I think as you dig deeper into this world of yoga, it's it's not just the words we say to others; it's also the words we say to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how profound that our thoughts and our words and our actions can all kind of shape that for others.
0: Yeah, I like that chapter on Karma Yoga as well. I find it interesting that the story starts when Arjuna wants to wants to understand from Krishna how do I do the greatest good, and One of the things that I found surprising is that part of doing the greatest good is being a good example. And there, as you say, the way you treat yourself, the way you talk to yourself, and the way you live your life can be an example to others to go, what is it about that person that's different, that makes them appear more whole, more centered, more calm? Or what is it about that person that makes them want to go to prison to teach yoga? That often can be the the best way of giving service to others is by living a good life. There's also another concept of, um, really important concept of yoga, which is non-attachment. And my understanding is that when you perform service, you also need to be unattached from the results of that. What are your thoughts on that? Because for, for from my perspective, I find that as again as i said as a former do gooder i'm still a do gooder but i'm trying to <laughs> modify the do-gooder. i'm 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 trying to be a service giver rather than a, than a do gooder but as a former do gooder you know i'm motivated by injustice mainly by injustice and therefore when i get involved through service in a cause where i see injustice of course i'm attached to the outcome because i wouldn't have got involved in the first place if I didn't want things to improve, do you have any thoughts or reflections on that?
1: Ah, uh, so so many You've touched upon a, a lot of things that strike me. And yes, that idea of this you know yogic path, this karma, um yoga path of action, it is really centered based on this concept of letting go of our own egos. And maybe that goes back to that fixing comment that we touched upon earlier, mm-hmm. and letting go of our attachments. There's a, a poem that I love by Donna Falls that talks about letting go when we get caught up in our attraction or rejection to something. And I think oftentimes in service and action, we can get caught up in the attraction that we're doing good for others, or then the drama when we get rejected from uh, you know the things that we we're the goals that we had for ourselves. So um, by letting go of those goals, by letting go that you're going to get something in return, that that really does shift. I think the way that we look at uh, at service, and I can certainly touch upon you know at least for, for myself um, when when I think about uh, justice or injustice, it, it does change the way that I view myself. That there is always this sort of line between them. Versus us, I think that is really what I've taken away from from these uh, many many hours I've spent uh, um, in in prison yoga or in other types of service yoga they've given is this them and us. There's a line that okay, that's them. They they need to be uh, fixed. That's them. Uh, this is me. They are uh, behind bars. They have you know done done something to to bring them behind uh, bars, and that this is me who's free on the outside coming in. Uh, you know to to bring uh, you know some kind of uh, i don't know like an angel coming down from the skies of, of some sort and um, the reality truly, truly is that that there is no line between us, and that and and this is not even a metaphor. It's just when I look around a room um, of you know people who are incarcerated and myself, we're all sitting around a a circle doing yoga, doing the same positions, and um, you know with the same fears and the same insecurities. Uh, we are all um, truly the same. We all look the same, and we all feel the same.
0: And we all have that spark of divinity, or indeed more than a spark of divinity. Um Inside one of the reasons why um Colin and Robbie started this podcast and indeed this whole year of um looking at um, different themes in yoga was to encourage um, and support our community, our y yoga family, as he put it to to start doing things off the mat, not just um not just uh, the asana. Is karma yoga something that, uh, that somebody who just normally goes to an asana class, is it something that they can start to practice in their lives and where would you suggest people start?
1: for me, and for many people out there, I think that asana, the, the physical practice is what we are able to best attach ourselves to with this, mm-hmm. um, you know, eight limbs of yoga, it's the one that is most present, our body, this vehicle, this temple in front of us is, is there that we're most easily connected to. And I say easily, because uh, with a smile, because, you know, it's not not easy to contort ourselves into per- certain positions, or, you know, find ourselves in uh, these, these postures. And I I'm sure for many, it's not even just finding, you know, handstand or some quote unquote challenging posture for me. I remember when I went on a a retreat with with Monica, one of her yoga retreats, that it was equally as hard to, when she told us to sit on our mats for two minutes. And I thought this was like some kind of, like literally some kind of cruel torture um, that, you know, make me do handstand uh, anywhere in the world on any surface, but don't make me sit on my mat for two minutes in silence. So I know that that physical practice, which spills into, you know, meditation, which spills into, you know, uh, these other forms of yoga, pranayama, any types of breathing, et cetera, et cetera. It it just, it, it kind of unfolds from there. And I'm certainly not here to tell anybody what their yogic journey is, but I can say that for me, it began with that power yoga these these performances really uh, and then eventually spilled into what am I doing when I'm not here on the mat and that's I think where you're getting to is um, you know Robbie and Colin really do cultivate this certainly in the studio in classes um, and also in the yoga teacher training Um, so much so that it was confusing especially this last year to be in America and to be in other yoga communities where it is so focused on the physical Uh, at some point uh, in the middle of a 500 hour teacher training now which is a beautiful training it's a bhakti devotional yoga training but at some point i get i get so overwhelmed when we spend all this time learning about different tendons and the, the posture and exactly where our hands should be going because at, at this existential level i am resisting this saying wait this isn't even yoga this is wait this isn't there's only one small aspect of yoga so going back to how you can 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 translate that for yourself and for everyone they can do it differently but how we how we literally are as a human, how we interact with others. You can't just, uh, or at least for me, you can't just show up for a, you know, a 75 minute class, uh, perform everything perfectly. You're in this boff and this beautiful spirit. um, And then, you know, go off, uh, um, you know, walk next door into uh, into the the farm supermarket and then, you know, be, be a jerk to somebody that is, you know, cut you off in line because that is yoga, right? That is how we act, how we treat others. Um, you can go even further. There's so many layers and levels to this and everybody can decide for themselves what that means. But for me, it meant, you know, looking around my own community to see how to service others. And uh, I think if you can do that in a structural way, if you do that in an institutional way, you know, you're jumping into um, a more formalized uh, service or, um, you know, maybe just being an inspiration. I mean, I, I think one of the things I love about why yoga is that we, we raise money for different services for different communities Mm -hmm. um, by teaching yoga and donating the, The funds to a particular group, not just one, but many. And I love that they do that uh, around December every year. It's something that, you know, everybody who's just practicing yoga can all of a sudden contribute to.
0: And I think that's great. And I am so looking forward to to when we can do all of those activities together in the same room. But in the meantime, you're clearly um, a very motivated person and you've taken time to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Did you ever feel like you had a calling, or um, or did you? You know, should should we, as um, regular, humble asana practices, should we wait until we're inspired to do this, or should we take this as a call to arms um, when we're listening and go, okay, yeah, actually, if I'm going to be a good yogi, I should think about how I can perform regular service, or will or will you wait until you know something is? till something finds you.
1: This this podcast is the divine message. This is a, <laughs> a, a call to every <laughs> every listener that you have chosen to listen to this podcast and now you will be of service. Going back to your your generous comment that you know I've obviously taken the time to think about these things. We uh, I mean, have just spent a year in lockdown like many of us. Uh, <laughs> and you're trying to do
0: We're all doing a lot of thinking.
1: <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of reflection. So I, I don't think that this just came to me. I think um, one of the things that I like but i'm also horrified about myself is that i just jump in and sometimes without thinking at all. Right. um i guess i'm quoting a lot of donna fold's uh, poems today but there's that poem uh, called just breathe where it says you know sometimes i find myself like you know, chasing after things, running from one thing to the next without even knowing where I'm going. And I think, you know, that, that seems inherently not good to not know. I I was listening to an earlier podcast, uh, Colin was talking about the journey and Mm -hmm. you have to have a destination in mind? And I I reflected on that for this, this talk as well. And in my case, I certainly didn't know where, where prison yoga was going, but um, it is uh, an opportunity, I think, to, 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 I mean, I think I would have been just too scared. I mean, if I really thought about that, you know, like my Pollyanna, will I be teaching the women in this uh, in this prison? Like, uh, hello, Pollyanna. There's no women in this prison. Like, um, will there be guards here? Like, no, dude. Like, we barely have enough money to cover prisons. You know, like prison care the way it is. Like, you know, this is you know, you're on your own. Good luck. You know, those types of things I think would have scared me had I not fully understood them. But on the other hand, not having uh, prison guards inside the room actually ended up being the biggest, um, and I'll use the word blessing for lack of a better word, the biggest uh, you know, advantage that there was because it allowed for some freedom that I think I wasn't even expecting. That, um, you know, I was, I don't know, Um, If I was expecting everyone in the rooms to be uh, a criminal in the sense that they're morally uh, devoid, uh, morally corrupt, amoral, without morals. And the reality is, is that, um, you know, everybody, I think everybody that was in those rooms um, and hopefully will be in those rooms in the future when we go back to teaching in person is um, is truly there because they have you know this this pureness about them and i think um certainly in that devotional yoga that i spend a lot of time thinking about in this you know kirtan practice is you know the more that you say these mantras the more you kind of get into the yoga whether it be asana or otherwise you're like dusting yourself off right it's that mirror that you're looking at and kind of scrubbing the mirror that you get this unclear this blurry image of yourself we think that we're not worthy we think that we're not uh, of value we think that's a uh, you know a lot of um you know terrible things about ourselves and that the more we spend time uh, on or off the mat, practicing yoga, that that we really find that true essence of who we are. And to that, you know, to that quote itself. I mean, there was never a moment that I felt scared, and in, in these rooms, there was never a moment. Even though, um, you know, we I eventually turned off the lights in the classroom, and and really trusted everybody that was there because there is this profound sense that that we are all, you know, amazing humans, and that it's just you know getting clouded along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about service. I'd like to move on to activism, which I think is a little more difficult or a little more controversial. Because even though we're yogis, we perhaps won't want to be or won't see the same things as needing um, some activism. As yogis also, we're supposed not to judge. In in the decisions that you've made about your activism and, um, and your service... Do you have any reflections on how we can be activists without judging other people? This is a bad habit of mine, but I asked the question first, and then I'm going to give an example. I'll ask the question again. So you talked about how you know you go you go to a class and then you yeah you pop next door and go to the the farm supermarket. Why yogis will know what that is for all of our other <laughs> listeners who who haven't been here yet. It's an organic superfoods hippie place. <laughs> And people don't accidentally go there. They go there deliberately to find something organic, something pure. And a lot of people kind of, maybe they're not doing it in a judgmental way, but other people might feel like they're being judged if they're not thinking about where their food comes from or who made their clothes or or what Amazon workers um, have to do uh, in order to make sure that you can receive whatever it is you're getting in lockdown. So how do those two things interconnect? Not judging, but also being an activist in order to perform some service.
1: First of all, it's it's like sometimes uh, yoga is like the shield, right? Like, oh, um, I already went to my 60-minute yoga class day, so like I am good. I'm totally protected. I'm not uh, I'm not a jerk today. And um, and then of course you go off and you do something you know horrible to your partner, your friends, and um, you know it could be a stranger and and uh, just you know a thoughtless act or
0: or know, a sarcastic a, comment on Twitter.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> true. for example absolutely in so many forms and, and uh, that it can manifest itself uh, these days and you're right it, there there is something um about service activism that uh that that, that that is going out there a little bit further i would say that um, for myself that i've taken activism to a new level after being inside of the prison so for example i didn't know anything about our social justice system i didn't really understand um i believed that uh, if you are put in prison it's because um you have done something wrong that a, a court a jury um largely made up of, of citizens have deemed you to have done this this crime or whatever you you know committed and that you deserve to be in there uh you know through uh these several years now that i've spent uh and i say inside the in, inside the, the the incarcerated rooms and, and beyond um is that you come to find out very quickly that that justice takes on different angles and that you know who really is innocent and uh i mentioned earlier about them versus us. And, um, I've spent a lot of time focused on the prison guard versus the prisoner and how different are we really? And, uh, and sometimes, uh, that word of activism just sort of comes through to say that I don't believe that justice has always been served. I don't believe that everybody who is in a prison, uh, should be there. And I think, this past year uh, has given me a lot more time to explore the the theory behind it of of activism. One uh, book and now movie that I think um, many of us uh, have have read, and if not, then I encourage you to um, explore the story of Bryan Stevenson and uh, Just Mercy. And it's a little bit about the um, the prison system in the southern part of the states um, and just finding case after case after case of people who have been incarcerated, not for a few months, but for a few years and sometimes 15 years, sometimes 20 years, who discovered later that, in fact, they never committed the crime. And I think many of us who have gone down that deep hole of, uh, of Netflix and and uh, um, uh, Amazon Prime where we find ourselves in this, I don't know about you, but I, I, I could definitely um, say that I look like I'm a serial murderer when I look at my playlist of things <laughs> I've watched this year in lockdown because um, you've just spent so much time. I'm looking at films, um, about people who have been wrongly accused of crimes. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is just one of many aspects of justice or injustice and so many aspects of, of action, but, um, and activism, but I think that has um, given me the tools, at least that I understand better of, of, um, of taking a larger stand on things. And that spills into many others. Once you get into social justice, then it spills over into many other things. Why are there so many people of color inside of the system, um, um, where there's so many men where are there's so many um kind of you know they're cookie cutter stereotypes of and statistics that are just so overwhelming um, that it's just so hard to ignore. And then I think you kind of escalate, you know, to to, to bigger things. I know that for myself, you know, activism is not just, um, you know, it's not just in the prison system, it's the educational system, how many, you know, unjust things are there, you know, here in America this past year, the, the, the healthcare system, you know, hospitalization for a week can put you um, into bankruptcy. I mean, it could be, you know, $50,000 for, you know, a three-night visit to, to the hospital. Um, so the judicial system is just one of, of many. But I think that activism is just, you know, finding a louder voice, even um, taking a larger stance. And that means uh, different different things for different
0: people. One of the things we like to do um, is make recommendations to people if they're interested in what they've been listened to, um, where can they go to for... Um, for further information or inspiration, or to hear the stories, some of the stories that you've been talking about. Can you recommend for us um uh, any books?
1: Absolutely. So, in terms of books, I think, I mean, first of all, that's just continuing education. It's not that you read like three books or go to a a teacher training or that you just take off the box, like, oh now I understand, you know, uh, you know diversity, equity, and inclusion or up. Oh, Chicken. Now, yep. if you know, understand activism, um, it is a lifelong continuum um, of learning. So I just picked out three um, types of books that kind of have helped me a lot. One is anything written by James Fox. He is the founder of um, the Prison Yoga Project. And uh, he even has a, um, a book that's kind of a guidebook for prisoners that I think is so helpful to read, because I know for me, I kind of get mixed into what is yoga and, and he just kind of keeps it simple. And when you uh, kind of donate to his organization, you kind of can send books, um, this particular book, uh, but many others into, um, you know, to, to, inmates, um, who can be sitting in their, uh, their cell, but also reading about what is yoga. So that's one. Another is, uh, is the body keeps score. It's uh, about, um, your brain and trauma by vessel, uh, Vandervolk, uh Vandervolk, who's, uh, not a perfect character himself either, by the way. So speaking of, you know, people who, who preach and, and, and how we are as people, it really shows different aspects of trauma and i would say that nearly all of us i mean I, I haven't really met anyone who hasn't had some trauma in their life and how yoga is proven you know scientifically to to overcome it so that's one that i just love and to understand what trauma is and if you put somebody in a prison cell for example that's compounded trauma because it's trauma upon trauma you have childhood trauma compounded with the trauma of um being in a, in a cell told what to do, what to eat, how to sleep, uh, et cetera. And then the third book, um, because I'm really fascinated by the, the concept of addiction and we've mentioned several times in this podcast about them versus us. Yeah. He uses the example of heroin addicts. It's Geber Mate, uh, in the realm of the hungry ghost is the, the, uh, the name of the book. Although anything by Geber Mate is tons of podcasts. that You can tap into if you Don't want to sit down for a 500 page uh, read, <laughs> Um, he talks about heroin addicts, um, who are homeless in the Vancouver area. And I mean, talk about them versus us. Like I am not homeless. I'm not a heroin addict. I don't even necessarily. I'm not Canadian. I do not (laughs) live in the Vancouver area. Exactly. (laughs) And yet, uh, by the end of those five hundred pages, I'm like, I am a heroin addict. I do live in Vancouver. Uh, I, I, I think um, he he dissolves that them versus us line. Uh, that by the end of the book, you just feel like you are completely one uh, with a homeless person who's an addict in Vancouver. So, I think those are three books for me. Um, and then maybe organizations. There's two that kind of jump out. One is the the prison yoga project that I aforementioned that started in California, the Quentin's um, prison system that James. Fox has kind of grown over time there's even a branch, a European branch in Amsterdam and that organization kind of supports teachers who are teaching in prisons, um, giving literature directly to prisoners about the practice Um, and most recently, which I'm super excited about, they started yoga teacher trainings for inmates, so if you're serving a lifelong sentence, why can't you do a yoga teacher training and and eventually teach uh, to other prisoners, so how awesome is that Um, and then the last one is the Equal Justice Initiative, so I mentioned to Brian Stevenson, I just love the work that they're doing to kind of end mass incarceration and you know, kind of challenging racial and economic injustice. So those are some organizations and books that I love.
0: And we will put that in the blurb of the podcast on the on its website. Thank you, Erica. That has been very inspiring. The thing I'm going to take away from this, and I'm sure other people will take away different things, I hadn't really thought about service and activism as being part of the method that could demonstrate to us how to see the self, the divine, in other people. That may have be my problem of being a fixer and a helper and not a, a service provider. But that is what I'm going to take away from this and think about myself. And I hope that you, as listeners, have been able to be inspired by providing true service to others you do see their divinity and you break down that divide and you see that we are all the same and that is one of the most important yogic teachings. So thank you for that. It's been really inspiring and exciting to talk to you and um, I hope that we get to see you here again in your chosen Y Yoga family home very soon. Enjoy the rest of your day and thank you for your time, Erica. and we look forward to seeing you here again.
1: Thank you so much uh, Matt and uh, Colin and Robbie for uh, having me today and uh, look forward to seeing you in the Vioga studio soon.